Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. The very best of last week's rugby coaching webinars and podcasts, reviewed by host Phil Flewellyn and his special guests. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. I'm your host, Phil Llewellyn. Thank you for joining us for season two as we delve back into the world of sports coaching. My guests will be presenting their key learnings from a piece of content, uh, and we then are going to discuss its implementation and application. As always, I'm delighted to have three uh, brilliant individuals join me this week. So, gents, if you would like to introduce yourselves and your current role. Hi, uh, I'm Sam Jarman. I'm a, a golf coach, um, but I also do some work in rugby, football, cricket, and, and in some schools as well. Hi, everyone. I'm Chris Campbell. I'm former sport manager at Nottingham Trent University, and I'm also head coach at Hinkley Rugby Club. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Paul Archer. I'm the head coach at Newbury Blues, and uh, my day job is I'm a senior manager in a national financial services organisation where I touch on quite a lot of this stuff as well wonderful gents thank you very much for the benefit of the tape uh, i do appreciate how early it is i've asked you to come on to record this so uh, a bigger thank you than uh, than normal for giving up your time it is massively appreciated before we get started for the listeners just a reminder to check out the blurb for links to all the content we discuss and recommendations to other high quality podcasts slight change this week so we're just going to stick with one piece of content and that is the, the Johnny Wilkinson appearance on uh, the Jake Humphrey and Damien Hughes High Performance Podcast. Reason for that being, I think it's probably taken the, the sports world by storm a little bit. And, and there's been a, a brilliant reaction, but also probably a lot of questions around that. And actually, it's one of those things we kind of touched on a couple of episodes ago. And, uh, and Fletch and Waltz and Rusty talked a little bit about their engagements with Johnny, but actually been able to unpick some of the detail in what he talked about and the principles and the kind of the values behind some of that, I think is really useful. So um, I've asked Sam just to kind of give us a little bit of a, an introduction around, I guess, non-duality and what it is. Um, so Sam, if you want to take it away, please do. Sure. Um, so non-duality is, is basically the realisation that our experience is not divided into two, i.e. a perceiving subject and a world out there full of objects and things and events. So it's it's the fundamental basis of all the, the great religions, so Christianity, Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, Sufism, they all start from the point that there is only one thing going on and then everything unfolds and emerges from that. So non-dual, as in not two, they're pointing to the intuition of oneness or um, universality that a lot of people get um, from their faith or, you know, from other areas of their life. So, yeah, it's it's uh, on a conceptual level, it's it's this idea that there is there are not two. There's not mind and matter. There is just this one thing going on. But on a personal level, it's that realization which I, I'm pretty sure Johnny Wilkinson has had which is who he is is not a body and a mind it's something much bigger than that 
And the moment that as an individual you see that, you realise effectively you're not a person, your world changes because quite simply you stop taking things personally. So, you know, from from everything that I heard from, from, from Johnny in that in that interview, it seems that he's had he's had a pretty strong realization, probably precipitated by some of the, the issues he was having around around mental health. Um, but you don't need to have a, a, a crisis in order to see this. You know, you can you can see this at any moment. So, um, yeah, that was you, you know I I don't know Johnny. I've never met Johnny, but just listening to what what he he was talking about it chimes very much with a lot of the stuff that I've been looking into around sort of non-duality and consciousness and um yeah understanding how the mind works and I think that's key isn't it I, I guess that's maybe the, the preface for this that we haven't engaged with Johnny in this it, it would be awesome to do it but it's it's notion of his perspective which it's slightly ironic, I guess, because actually he, he talks about that not actually being great. But I think as a as a discussion point, it's it's I guess we would frame this in a way that it's our thoughts and understanding of the points he makes. And we can, I, I guess ultimately you can do nothing more than talk about your own experience. So definitely drawing on on some of those. Chris, what what uh, what was your take on on Johnny and how he kind of put things across? He's a fascinating individual, isn't he? I think any, anyone in the game has, over the past 20 years has, has forgetting his achievements on the field, has, has been fascinated by what he's been through, his, his mindset and, uh, and his journey. I think there's a, there's a couple of really interesting bits that, that came out of it for me. And the, the, the first bit was right at the top of the podcast when they always on that podcast, the first question they ask is, what is high performance? Um, and he gave the definition or the, the distinction between what a young Johnny would say and an older and an older Johnny. And, and the young Johnny, when he said, you know, high performance would equal outcomes, I think we would all have all have expected that. Um, but the older one, he, the fact he said absolute engagement, I found really interesting because most people now will be talking about the importance of um, having all your various process goals, trusting the process, um, you know, worrying about those small wins, and then eventually that's going to achieve achieve whatever outcomes it is you're looking to achieve. But the face of absolute engagement, that's not something I've heard from many people before, actually. Um, so that was that, 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 that was quite interesting. But then also, and this is a little bit related to that, is, is when he was talking about legacy. And legacy has become a bit of a buzzword, hasn't it, within, within, within sport at the moment, out of, out of the All Black books and, and stuff like that. Um, but it was interesting that he said legacy doesn't bring you bring you joy. And he was talking about how what does leaving a legacy actually mean if you're not flourishing within it? Um, and so he was focused very much on, I think, what the feeling was of what was happening to, to him, to him in that environment. And just the way he defined those two things were very different to how most most of these sort of things are defining them at the moment, I would say. What are our thoughts on on legacies? Legacy culture buzzwords. Culture's been around for a little while now, and it's it's something lots of people are are talking about, and I guess focusing on and all that type of stuff. But is 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 legacy the the new one of those? Do we think? I think it's the way he articulates it in the in the podcast is is really strong because it's it's sort of what led me. If you take the, the steps back 
and kind of what Chris was saying, I think it's what led me to this this line of inquiry in, in, in myself was through school, through rugby, through academics, through work, you're always led to believe. It's, I don't know if it's, it's explicit, but it was definitely implicit that the next goal is the important one. The outcome of that goal is important. And whether that, you know, in my, if I relate it to my work life, it was all about when's my next promotion? When am I getting a pay rise? You know, can I afford the house? You know, the wedding that we want of myself, you know, all that stuff. And in, in rugby, that it, it exists even more. And it's, you know, as I, as, you know, even to the point where I became a head coach, it was like, well, you know, what, what are our goals, guys? And our number one goal that always comes down is, oh, we want to be promoted. We want to win all our games. And large, a lot of that is unknowable in the time. And obviously there is a, a, an amount of you that can work to, you know, work towards that, but nothing is, nothing's guaranteed. Um, and obviously in, in sport and in life and work, there's lots of competing demands. So when you take that a step forward and you think, the outcome I want is until the ultimate end, really. It's the, the outcome I want is I want to leave something behind that defines me. And that, you know, by almost by its definition is I'm never going to have any joy in my life, any joy in what I'm doing now. I'm just going to strive and keep striving until I deliver what I want to deliver. And then that's the end. And that that's quite a scary thought when you when we unpack it like that. But that was what, it was pretty it was pretty profound enough I, I think that sort of it shows johnny's journey as well that he, i think he said in the podcast that this is a more of a recent realization for him you feel that he's been on the journey for a while and it's you know and we talk about it and there's books called legacy about the all blacks and everyone loves the all blacks and it's 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 an it's an interesting one because i think i think it's it it almost starts the point the right way but i think if you fr frame it in the outcome sense it leads you down leads down a path which I think he, he also talked about I think we'll get onto a bit later is you get into fear of failure and as soon as, soon as you look that way you're in an ever shrinking circle and I, I definitely think I'm just thinking in my head like getting to the crux of this but then when I, I kind of reflect on it I'm like there's about seven or eight different kind of cruxes of it which which make it quite difficult to cover all of them but I think what we're effectively talking about is materialism and apportioning our self-worth as an individual, whatever that individual might be, to the things I have and to how society sees me. And, and Sam and I have had a lot of conversations on this and, and I always quite like the line from Fight Club where he talks about, you know, you are not your job, you are not your car, you are not your whatever it is. And I would, that, that always resonated in terms of my journey kind of through this space was, yeah, look, they're nice. Like no one's saying having a new car that works and, 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 you know, runs properly and does stuff isn't a nice thing, but actually that that's not me. That doesn't define me as a person that doesn't define who I am or how I have to act or any of these things. And I think maybe that's the trap that certainly I've been in. And, and I think society in general has probably gone quite a long way down that road in, into thinking that, you know, idolization of celebrities and, and you know, you look at the, the things that are on TV and all this type of stuff, it's, it's coming from nowhere to have all these nice shiny things. And we think that that's the value of, of the being. And I think what, yeah, as you, as you said, Paul, what Johnny is pointing to is that that is probably that thought process is pointing in the wrong way to, to where he's gone. 
I think, no, I think Phil, I think age and experience plays plays a huge role um, in that because you know if I look at the coaching I've I, I, I've done when I was when I was much younger, I felt like I needed to tangibly de- demonstrate I had achieved something to be able to demonstrate not just to myself but to other people that you know I I had an ability to. To, to do something and the only way I, I felt I was able to demonstrate that was by winning a promotion winning a, winning a cup whatever whatever that may it may be um, but and when I was reflecting on this actually during, during the week I realized that one time I, I did win something as a, as a coach which is not a great way to put it but I remember how flat I felt the day after because I'd been so and I, I, I wondered why that was. And because you've been so focused on achieving this outcome, you didn't enjoy anything that had gone with it. Whereas now, I'd like to think as you get older, you get more experienced. You you don't define yourself as much on whether you you win or lose something. And as you say, of course, it's it's lovely, isn't it? You all, you know, we all like to, to win to, to win stuff. And I don't think there's any point in, in being afraid of saying that. But it got me thinking what's the worth of that winning something if actually it's not been if it's not been really valuable in whatever way you define value on the way i guess and I th- but equally to that i think it's about the moment of the winning and stuff and i think johnny's really clear about that and i say about how it, it 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 it's a moment it's transitory it goes and then you know it's it's then what happens next and what's next is really important for me it's you see it all the time you see it all the time. You see people achieve something great and then they're expected to keep going with their greatness. And I think it's most obvious in sports like MMA and boxing and they become champion. And in the next fight, they're cagey because they're so, they're, you know, they've got to hold on to this thing they've created, which is I'm a champion. I am the best. I cannot let anything influence that. I cannot be show weakness. I cannot you know, express myself properly. I'm, I'm, you know, you see, you know, I think from a tactical point of view, you see, really good teams become different when you know after they've won and had some success um and that's you know i think that's because you you end up living living in your created belief about yourself and your team and your life and i think that's sort of where 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 johnny gets to in, in in the podcast as well it's it's you know it's not just that that one moment which you think will give you a lot of joy which ends up not it's also about what that then creates weirdly going forward based on then that moment which is drifting further and further away from you and i think you're both absolutely dead on and one of my notes i wrote down was just how much people can be affected by things they can't control and again he he talks about this in in quite a lot of detail that we're if if we want to feel good okay that's absolutely fine but if we're then aligning that to something that we have I don't know, one or 2% control over. And we're letting, you know, that then define us. It's just like, even if you just looked at that as a process and when, yeah, this, this is going to be everything I'm about, but my ability to influence this is like minute. That makes no sense. And I think that's, he, I mean, he, he, he says old ideas a lot and, and you go, yeah, actually, if there was one thing you're going to take and if you could just blanket apply it to sport or life you'd go maybe maybe that's the big one for me why are we 
suggesting that our worth come from something that we have so little control and i think the what, what I think, do we control phil well exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's that's the you know that's that's the illusion that 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 trips so many people up so there's when i'm when i'm talking to players or coaches that the, the conversation will like will always end up with you know three questions who am i what is this so what's what's the nature of my experience what's 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 reality and what's the meaning of life those are the three questions that everybody is is exploring in one way or another and i'm not for one second telling anybody what the right answers to those questions are because that's that's the journey that's the exploration but anytime somebody's struggling what has happened and, and this is what johnny did they've they've come to a conclusion about those three answers and they strongly believe that they they know what they are so the legacy thing is that's the that's the meaning of life question and and what you find as uh, on a sporting career is generally the meaning of the game changes. So when you first start playing a game, it's it's you do it because it's fun. It's just an expression of happiness. Then you realise you're quite good at it, and the meaning changes. And you think, well, hang on a minute, it'd be pretty cool if I could get paid to do this for a living. So that becomes the meaning. You've got to you know you've got to you've got to work hard. You've got to buy into all of the the you know the the myths and the the theories that that coaches are telling you and your parents are telling you and everything else then you then you make it and then it becomes about well now i've got to hang on to this and this is kind of what you were saying there paul about the boxes i've i've got something i am something and i need to hang on to it and then as you get older you realize well hang on a minute this isn't going to last forever because a career is finite but I need closure. So what do I do now? Well, now it's about leaving a legacy. Now it's about creating a meaning that will carry on after I'm gone. And what that tells us, and, and Johnny points to it in the thing, if something's true, it's constant, it never changes. Well, if, if the meaning that you've got around sport has changed from when you were five years old to when you were 35 years old, none of those meanings are true. It's just the story that you're telling yourself about that moment in time in order to get to where you want to be. I, I love this mention of, of concept of fun. And I think it's particularly relevant at the moment because of what we're having to do with our coaching. So, Paul, I presume you're the same as we are at Pinkley in the fact that, you know, you're just trying to keep people engaged with your sessions, make people want to turn up every week or however 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 often you're running them and Absolutely. i would say that yeah the guys at the moment i'm working with are probably having more fun in training than they've ever had done before because we're doing we're doing different things and as and when we start playing uh you know our sport again whenever, whenever that may be i think we've got such a, a responsibility to try and ensure that fun that we're all focusing on at the moment continue continues into continues into the game and and i think as coaches our responsibility with this too goes two ways in the fact that we can work with the players in a certain way to, and, and say certain things to them and, and, and certain attitudes and johnny talked a lot about the language the coaches use but also and especially when you're in 
when you're in, say, a semi-professional environment where you've got players who are being paid, however much money it is, and you've got the the committee afterwards in the in the bar having a go at you because you haven't won and whatnot, and 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 there's all this stuff going on. And how do you ensure create that mindset across the whole club that actually, if we all try and adopt a certain mindset, that's going to achieve to better performances on the field. And that's you know that's certainly not an easy thing to do, but I think it's a shift that this this circumstance is leading us all to have to really consider carefully if we want to keep our players with us in, in the long run. Just on that, I think that's uh, you're absolutely right. This this situation that we're in has given us a real opportunity to to kind of ask ourselves what you know. And again, this is a meaning of this is a meaning of life question. What is sport? What's the meaning of sport? What's it about? And, and it seems to me that sport is about one thing, and that is having a, an enjoyable, enriching and fulfilling experience. That's why we play sport. It's why we watch sport. It's why we coach sport. It's why we officiate. And somewhere along the line, we've got confused about what that is because an experience takes place in the moment. It takes place now. And again, Johnny pointed to this in, in what he was doing. But because of the cultural and societal conditioning that we've all bought into you know this idea that sport is somehow a business has 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 crept in and and that has become almost the the you know the underlying principle of sport is that it's there to make money for somebody and it's just not true you know a business is there to make a profit and sport as i say is about the experience and if we if we if we unwind where we're at now and get back to why people play sport, it's because it, it it's an expression of happiness. It's an expression of who they really are, and it's what it's not is a vehicle to get somewhere and to become someone. And that's the misunderstanding that we're living in. And that's exactly what you're saying there. If you believe that, you know, sport is about becoming or about getting somewhere or getting something, achievement, attainment, whatever, all of which are lovely, but they're secondary to the, the experience that, that, that people have and that people want. Yeah, just to really quick, quickly pick up on that, I think Sammy used the word fulfilling and go beyond what Chris says and says about making sessions fun and enjoyable. And I absolutely, absolutely agree with that. I think the word that Johnny uses constantly through the podcast towards the towards second is about explore, exploration he says explore a lot you know that that's really that's really profound to me i think are we creating experiences where it's you know it may not you know it may not be everyone's idea of fun you know or enjoyment because you know, frankly we're talking about how do you change mindsets i'm not sure you can i think people have got to go on their own journey but if you're creating that creating that environment where there is exploration you know that's it and help and that hopefully then creates the, the engagement we talk, we're talking about where people can get into you know, these really deep states where you know the best way i can think of explain it is like if for me it's, it's it's puzzles if i sit down and start a puzzle i'll just keep going and keep going and keep going and time will just go and that's my flow um and you know you find that find that sometimes in in rugby is that you know your session whizzes, whizzes by and you haven't you, you, know, you haven't got halfway through your your session plan you know you know there's a stuff you you wanted to do that you didn't you didn't get to do and that's but that i think that's a, a, a sign of a sign of strength i think the language is a massive point I, I wrote again in my notes just some of the key words he says so joy 
I love that word. I think joy, there's probably this bit around fun, enjoyment. Fun always seems a bit fluffy from a coach's perspective. I think it's perceived as being this, well, yeah, fun's okay if we're doing a fun session, but it, you know, there's, there's no point to fun. And, and I think that's slightly concerning. So loads about joy, flow, liberation, freedom, exploration, experience. Like just how great are those words? If, if you put them up on a poster on a wall, would they be more engaging or just more, would you get a better reaction than all the ones that we see on a wall currently? I, you know, and that's not to say that putting them on a wall does anything to anybody, but I just thought actually how often was I using I think I'd talk about experience quite a lot. I'd probably talk about flow, liberation, freedom, and exploration. I'm not sure they're too too big in my vocabulary at the moment. And if they aren't, why aren't they? So, yeah. Chris, I'll bring you in. Yeah, I mean, this concept of, of joy, and I was trying to relate it to sort of, you know, individual events that may happen in a game of, in a, in a game of any sport, I guess. But, you know, with, we're not only talking about rugby. I've... I, I've never or very rarely seen players express real feelings of joy when they when they scored a try up a really structured thing which the coach has told them them how to do. I mean, you know, they'll give themselves a few backslaps and high fives, but the real joy I've seen is either when players have, have done something which which they've created and developed themselves, or they scored a try from from open field which was completely off the cuff they're the tries people really celebrate and they're the tries that people really remember, you know, aren't they? And they can be from any different type of part of the game, but, um, but that's the bit you, you all remember, don't you? And as coaches, you remember them as well. Definitely. Yeah. No, I'd a hundred percent agree. And, and I, so I guess the question is, and I float this to everyone, how, how as coaches do we need to operate more effectively to and as Paul said everyone's on their own journey but how do we work more effectively to facilitate this for more people I think num number one and I think the, e the easiest way into this I think for me with with players and with co-coaches with committees and stuff is to really challenge this concept of you are who you've become through your experience versus those experiences are shaped by who you are now. And a real, a real practical way of doing that, I think, is to, for just from a coaching point of view, is, 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 to, is to point back um, to something and say, you know, in my more sort of open player conversation, someone will say, you know, oh, I was terrible at that last week. I'm going to be terrible at this again. And you know that, um, you know, that's, that's not true. It's just become, it's just become a bit of a, a belief, of, a belief of theirs. Um, you know um that is is becoming it's becoming limiting to them for for whatever reason i think it happened you know i think we talked about experience a bit i think it, it you know from my experience it does happen more with young players but it's i don't think the old players are immune to this sort of superstitious thinking and i think if you if you can if you can show that and i think it is possible to show it then i think you start to get to this thing that sam was talking about which you know your beliefs aren't true all the time you know, they, they, they vary. Like, uh, I think, in, again, go back to the podcast, Johnny said, look, if you catch you on a good day, you remember it two weeks ago and you've got a really good light on it. And it's like, oh, yeah, it was great. It was the making of me. If you catch you on a bad day, you look back and say, oh, it was terrible. The world was against me. They hate me, all this sort of stuff. Um, and I think uh, there's, there's a few ways to do it as well, because 
if I've I've read quite a lot about uh, from Daniel Kahneman, and he talks about when he's worked with fighter pilots, and the the attribute attribution that um, some of the instructors take. So a fighter pilot has a bad flight, and then the instructor shouts at them and says, "That was a bad flight. Do better." And then next time they do better, but that's correlation, not causation. He's done experiments where it's the, it's the fallacy of, he calls it the hot hand fallacy. Because you were bad before, if as long as you've done, you know, I think this is where it re-relates to coaching, you've got a whole raft of effort over here, you're technically and tactically sound as a, as a, as a practitioner, as a player. You will come back to that. You'll regress to the mean at some point. You are good enough. You have a bad day. It's, there's no empirical evidence to suggest that you'll be bad the next time. You are as likely to be good and better the next time than you were last time. And they see it in all, all walks, not just fighter pilots. I think they did a study with NBA, NBA players as well, where the commentators go, oh, he's, he's, he's hot, he's heating up, and you know, he's, he's not missed any shots. Seven, three points in a row might mean the next seven you miss, but equally seven you miss, you might make the next seven because you'll regress to your mean where your, where your um, skill set allows. And I think that's it's possible really to, to, to get into that with players. For me, and it absolutely relates into what, what Paul has said to it's what's absolutely key is what happens when you fail in the in the way that we maybe currently understand failure. So when you when you lose a game um, or you don't execute a certain a certain thing particularly well on the field or, or, or whatever it may be, how we respond to that, how everyone in the environment responds to that it, it is so important. Because if we team it as we know it, you've lost the game, you failed, then that's then going to create that negative feeling throughout the week, negative feeling six game, and it just self self perpetuates. So the way that we manage those situations in terms of our language, the people's around us language, how we manage that in training, how we give them as many opportunities to fail, uh, or again fail as we know it as possible. I think we're much more likely to when it comes to that moment of doing something on the field when people have got that moment of joy i, th I think they're much more likely to be able to, to to succeed again in whatever your terms in, in whatever your terms are and there is and, and we've all done it and i and, and i do it we all look for in that in that training week that that perfect training session on tuesday thursday that that perfect team run on the Thursday night where, you know, we execute everything. We never, we never drop the ball and we walk off the field feeling, feeling brilliant about ourselves. Well, that team run has made no correlation to what's going to happen on Saturday at all. Absolutely, absolutely none. Um, and we've got to be prepared to change ourselves as coaches to walk off the field, maybe on the Thursday and goes, Oh, okay. That was a bit edgy. It wasn't quite all there, but I bet the players have learned more than if they'd have caught every single ball in that unopposed team run against uh yeah at best against five people maybe yeah i think you touched on the important point i think you know if we're going to talk the talk it's important walk the walk to in session design as coaches so say you have you know your, your team's a, a decent defensive team but say you ship seven tries and your attacking's not quite on you know that site that cycle of strive and you know strive and suffer and sacrifice and We'll be better next time and then you go and you know make make do an hour and a half of, of full smash tackling on a tuesday wet tuesday night in newbury um and it's 
you're just maybe perpetuating that cycle then it's like oh then you get some success it's like, well that worked for us so now we're going to make it do that again and uh, making a value judgment that that may not be the most fun and engaging session which it, it might be to players but um i think yeah i think it if you're asking people to go on that journey we've definitely got to be able to live it ourselves and that's that's tricky um i think you know again a podcast johnny talks about that like, he gets back into his old old superstitious um a uh, superstitious mindset and you know it, it's difficult it's difficult to break for coaches particularly when there's quite a lot of what i call sort of social pressure that of what a session after a loss or after a win should look like i think i think that's the and again johnny talks about it in in the podcast where he talks about you, you can't if you, if you if you try and make this something that a coach does to players then it's immediately going to come across as inauthentic and and that's as i say that that's the the key thing for me is you have to have asked as a coach you have if you're going to if you're going to try and live and and get your players to to live this you have to live it yourself so you have to have asked yourself those three questions who am i what is this what's the meaning of life why why am i doing this and and i think as I say, bringing it right back to, to, to sort of first principles, if as a coach you believe that you are a limited, finite, separate body and mind, that's going to show up in your coaching and in the way you relate to your craft and in the way that you relate to other people. If you have questioned that and you see that that's, that's not the case, then everything you do will flow from that understanding and i think it's whenever we hear something like like johnny's interview excuse me whenever we hear something like like johnny's interview we can't you know and you can hear jake humphrey doing it going oh you know i really want some of that 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 you know i love i love the sound of that but how do i get there you immediately turn it into a technique or a strategy and, and then you you try and implement it. And it's not, this isn't a doing, it's a being. It's not what you do, it's about who you are and who you know yourself to be. And as I say, if you if you believe yourself to be something that you're not, you, you can't help but come across as inauthentic. You can't help, you know, every the you know, buzzword I hear a lot is, is vulnerability, which I, I don't necessarily like the word, but I'd rather you, you know, I think it's the same word as openness. You know, if you're open, that to me is a is a better word for 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 that intuition because you're not worried about what anybody else thinks or what anybody else says. You, you you're yeah you're open, and I think Johnny uses that word as well. So yeah, this idea that that one you, you know the unknown is is fine. You don't know who you are, but you, you know you're living in the unknown, so you're. You know, and again, this speaks to non-duality. This is what Johnny means when he says, "Well, if I don't know who I am, and I don't, and and the unknown is where I'm living, then it's the same thing. It's it's not me and it. We are. We, it, it's one. So, as coaches, if we've got to that place where we we've explored those three questions and we understand them, then then that gives us the opportunity to then live that, and and that will come out in our coaching regardless of of the techniques the strategies and the, the you know whatever plays we're running basically I, I think there's a few things in this so i think it's understanding we'll never be perfect we're never going to live this perfectly 
all of the time and and because the, i don't think the the world of whatever that is exists necessarily in that way so we're always going to fall into traps and other things because no one actually has the answer so i think that's that's a real certainly from my perspective when i'm trying to be this it's recognizing it's not always going to be that way i just could jump back to a couple of points that paul made around you know johnny talks about joy in practice and, and he doesn't say it but for me the big message in there was actually if you want to go out and spend 20 or 30 hours a week kicking the ball through the posts absolutely do that as long as it's joyful as long as what you're experiencing is really about enjoyment and your you know that liberation that freedom or whatever just exploring it if you're as he as he talked very much about the, the negative element of that if, if that's pain and suffering and sacrifice that's fine in that he just got lost i think is is what he's trying to say but if, if i don't what i don't think he was saying is don't go out and practice still and I, I wouldn't want that message to get confused and, and i think if, if that is what his message was that go and do that be be really committed absolutely but but be doing that for the right reason i think would be pretty key and my only other point on that was just, just kind of bring it back to how we operate as coaches is that changing room example he uses where he talks about you know he said oh guys let's just get out there and let's really enjoy the experience because we're really privileged to be here and, and have this opportunity and the coach comes in and goes we've got to win and i just think jesus like how many times have i ruined the mood in the changing room or, or ruined the players experience of that day or whatever because I've tried to impose something on them or I've tried to give my perspective as being more important than anybody else's and and that really resonated so something I've I've really tried to get into the habit of doing now is is effectively getting out of my own way and looking and asking players you know what can I reduce I think we as coaches have really bad habits of piling more and more things on ourselves and them and actually saying you know oh this is going to be beneficial so you need to try this and then you need to try this and, and here's another strategy or another opportunity or whatever and actually going well how much of that is useful how much of that is actually just blocking you and taking you away from that freedom and that liberation to play like a child and have joy and, and have real enjoyment from what you're doing um, so that that's definitely in the forefront of my mind now when I'm planning and when I'm you know working with players is really trying to go what gets you to that state of flow or, or that um, just that position where you are engaged in the moment and, and a lot of them won't know um, but I think just just asking those questions as Sam said is, is absolutely crucial. Chris go for it. Yeah two things I think on your first point Phil um, you, it takes a especially for young for young people you know till you know late teens early 20s it takes a very a very brave person i think you know in, in in the world we live in to say that's not right for me i'm i'm not you know i'm i'm not enjoying it there was a really interesting interview with michael goff the cricket umpire um with alison mitchell on on stump this week where he said he retired from playing at 23 didn't try hard enough but then he fell into umpiring and worked harder than he's ever worked before because it was just something that worked for him. And he was clearly a very strong individual to be able to, to do that. But there's, but on the second point, this point of authenticity in coaching, I think is fascinating. And I think it poses a really interesting question. Um, 
and Danny Kerry referred to this on one of the Eddie Jones podcasts, I think, is if 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 you know you should be acting as a coach in a in a different way, you should be running your sessions in a different way to the way that you feel maybe natural doing so. Are you better off actually putting your instincts and urges to one to one side and try and maybe coach a bit like someone you're not and try and work yourself into that over a few year period? then continue coaching as you are because although you're not being authentic at that particular moment does that still give the players a better experience now there might be an argument there that if, if that's your feeling as a coach you shouldn't be in that particular position maybe um and i don't know what the answer is to yeah. to that question um because we've all probably tried to do it we've all heard and tried new things which aren't naturally us but you do it because you think actually this is going to give the player a better a better a better experience it's that's a really it's an interesting point isn't it? it's not one i've really delved into personally um but I, I i definitely i think i've been guilty of you know particularly in the younger days of this is the sort of the modus operandi of of, of really successful coaches i should definitely be like this um it's an, it is an interesting one because it's it go, I think it does go back to your, your your beliefs about yourself and who you are. Um, you know, if you need to, or if you feel that you know you can be something different now to get you know to help to be of the best the best use you can. It 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 you know it's it's an in, it's an interesting sort of follow on from from exactly what we've been been talking about here. It's are are you are you who you are now? Because based on who you were then. And the beliefs you have about who you were then and what's worked for you and what authentic means to you or can you be authentic right now and explore what you know what you need what you can be what your players need and all, all that sort of thing that's you know, that might be getting quite deep so well no because and, and this is the other thing that is a bit frustrating is is why are we so afraid of going deep with this why are we afraid of asking those three questions and and it's Again, I think we've got to be careful in terms of getting confused. Again, this this who you are is not what you do, and I think we we get we, we the, the line between that gets gets a bit blurry, and and people get confused with that. I think what you're pointing to there, Chris. Again, we're talking about what what we do in a training session. That's not who we are, and so could you say who what you do flows from who you are? Well, yeah, but unless you've actually got to that place where you know that and and again bringing it back to the interview johnny talks about this where he says you know the where he has the conversation about being dropped and he says you know that the separation between your value as a being and a rugby player so rugby is what you do it's not who you are a rugby player is not who you are you are a, you are something that, that that plays rugby whatever that is and and you know he, he he sort of describes that conversation where you know he knows when he's talking to that coach who values him not beyond what he is as a rugby player he knows that 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 is unchanging it's immutable it can't be varied by performance that's what we're, we're talking about because you're talking from a position of you as a coach knowing who you really are to a player and knowing who that player really is and that's where the connection takes place because you are one you're the same intuition you're the same consciousness you're the same awareness 
and that's the foundation of team spirit. It's the foundation of all all human relationships. Is that is that appreciation of a shared of, of a shared being. So what what you do goes along is 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 on a a, a layer above that or below that, depending on how you look at it. But it, again, who you are is is different. It's not what you do. It's it's quite hard though, isn't it? To if you look at someone like Johnny and you look at many players to 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 blame them in the early part of their of their careers and their lives for just seeing themselves as that identity. So if you look at you look at someone like Johnny who you know came through came through Lord Wandsworth, was a superstar at Lord Wandsworth. Everyone knew who he was from the age of 16, 17, graduates, goes straight to Newcastle, wins a title. Everyone's saying he's going to be the next the, the, the next big thing. He wins a World Cup at, at, at 23. He's the most famous rugby player in the world. All of that around him, and he hasn't to an extent, he hasn't created any of that hype. He's just been very good at, at what he does. Um, and, but all of that is going to have played such a big part in him seeing himself as a, as a rugby player because the millions of people that know his name are never going to see him as anything else. And we've got, and this is a challenge, I think, for the whole academy system in all sports is how do we ensure that young people coming through keep that duality to their to their identity, whatever whatever that may be, in in particular when you're 40, 50, 60, 70, playing sport will be seen as that as that holy as that holy grail. And there has been a shift in, in academy setups in a number of sports, but our, our system probably creates people to have that feeling about themselves. It's it's not. This isn't about sport, mate. This is society. So this is the culture that we we live in, which is from the moment that we're you know, from the moment we can speak and we can understand language, we're given a name, which is a label. We, we're, we're told what, what gender we are. That's another label. So then we, we're told, you know, in order to be happy, we need to go to this school. We need to get these exam results. We need to go to this university. We need to get this job. We need to earn this amount of money. The way we are defined by society is not in terms of, of who we are. It's in terms of what we've done and the labels that have been slapped on us as I say, from the moment that we appeared. So it, it's an artifact of language because language is dualistic in, in that the separation starts when we put a label on something. All of a sudden there's me and then there's whatever it is that's got this label on. So you're never going to escape that. You, you can't escape it. In order to live in, 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 in you know, to, to live in the human experience, if you want to put it like that, we have to do it in a dualistic way. But you what we're talking about here is 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 a deeper understanding going beyond that and realizing that that's just a game that we're all playing and the truth is something different the truth is that the separations are an abstraction they're a concept they're a theory they're an explanation for the experience that that we that we perceive and what we believe we're having so yeah you're absolutely right it's 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 a cultural shift um and and as i say there's there's loads of different you know books i can kind of point you to if you want to explore that further um but it's not a sport thing sport sport is a is actually a, a brilliant sort of window on it because in the moment of flow in the moment of of, of sport that duality isn't there it's just an experience of the game and then the duality creeps in afterwards, which is, I did that. 
But if you if you see a player interviewed, you know, immediately right the minute after they've done something brilliant and they get, you know, oh, that was amazing. How did you do that? You know, what happened? They'll just go, I've got no idea. Well, that's because they weren't there. They can recreate a a a, a memory of it afterwards. They can conceptualize it and, and, and try and explain it in their own mind. But in the moment of performance, in the moment of flow, there is no duality. There, are, there is no subject and object. There is just one experience unfolding. And that's actually what we love about sport, because that's the best feeling ever. It's why we play sport. Then we create a story about afterwards about what it meant. And that's it's just, as I say, there's no way of getting away from that, from 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 that conceptualization or from that experience. It's just about understanding it and knowing what's going on, because if you understand what's going on. You know, it's like anything, if you understand it, you're not scared of it and and. This is this is why it's so important for coaches and players, because there's so much fear and so much insecurity and so much, you know, unhappiness and, and, and you know, yeah, men mental health problems caused by this misunderstanding. And sport actually is much closer to being able to, to shine a light on it than so many other walks of life because we know that experience of flow and that 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 moment of oneness is is there in as i say in connection with teammates in connection between coaches and players in that in the moment of of, of performance we're experiencing it all the time and, and it's you know yeah that's why we play it's why we love it i think there's something massive like that in in just my experience of this consider the kind of um cardiograph almost so you know you've got that beat of the heart goes up and you, you know what i mean it's just that constant wave almost and actually my my journey through this i guess is and, and i'm not suggesting this is an answer for anyone else other than myself but actually the lows weren't as low so that there was just a by knowing I was about to say by knowing more about me, actually, I think I know less about me, which has probably helped. So by knowing less, that 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 pit at the bottom is never quite as low again, because there's a more consistent state, I think. And that doesn't mean that the highs weren't as high, if anything. And, and again, maybe I'm telling myself this story, I don't know. But actually, I think because I'm aware, I'm more aware of the experience, I think the highs are higher. But there isn't that kind of there isn't that huge drop off into that pit of, of fear and despair and stress and anxiety and all those things. I, I think that it just flattens out a lot quicker and, and gets back to a more, for me, normal, regulated state, whatever that might mean. Um, and, and if I'm honest, that's the bit that's changed my life. Just just being in a position where I can go actually why would I stress about something? And, and again, I think Johnny makes that point. Like, why, why would you have anxiety or stress around something that's happening in an imagined future? Like, like that's, that's not real. You are creating in your own brain all the thoughts and all the stresses around something that may never happen. That is bizarre in itself. And, and just exploring a bit of that, and I'm going like, what, why the hell am I doing this? Y yes, I, that doesn't stop me from planning. That doesn't stop me from thinking, if this happens, what, you know, what will I do about it? Or having some sort of 
strategy around that type of stuff, but just spending less time being concerned about things. And again, come back to that word control that, that I'm imagining. I have no idea whether this will actually happen, but I'm getting myself at this moment into a poor place about something that just might not be there is, yeah, is pretty crazy to be completely honest. And, and, and working through that, coming out, I don't know if you ever come out the other side of that, but, but just being on this journey, I, I think has just helped with that immensely. Funny thing is as a coach as well, Phil, is that often those, those experiences are happening, you know, as a result of what happens in a game and by those moments in a game, as a coach, you have absolutely zero control of anything that happens. So you've, you're talking about this imaginary future, which <laughs> nothing you can do is going to impact. Hundred <laughs> percent. How many coaches do you see on a touchline going ballistic about stuff? And you're just like, well, the player didn't deliberately drop the ball. Like no one set out to ruin your Saturday as a coach by going, I'm going to have a bad day and miss a kick or drop a pass or miss a tackle. Like. Just how ridiculous is that? So, yeah, again, maybe we just need a, a better approach to understanding our place within that environment on, on a Saturday or whenever it is. Mate, going. but but no no coach wants to go ballistic on the side of a rugby field either. They're, they're not in control of that in the same way that the player's not in control of, of dropping the ball. You know, again, we could have a longer conversation about this illusion of control. You know, the, the, the illusion of, of, you know, decision making, the illusion of choice. Um, it, it's all made up. It's all the story that's happening. It's all the, the narrative that we're creating, the story that we're creating around it that happens in the moment after the after the, the, the experience took place. It's all made up, you know, and that's the the moment that you start to see that is the moment that you're you're liberated from it. You know, the freedom that we feel is that. It is basically just the, the intuition that look, I'm going to be okay no matter what. That's that's freedom, and and that comes from, as I say, seeing or, or questioning this idea that we are limited and finite and separate and physical and material. The moment you start to question that, you, you know your your beliefs change, your values change when those things change the thinking you get in the moment changes and then your behavior changes but it's got to start at the bottom and then allowed and be allowed to filter through so many coaches are trying to fix behavior and then the slightly more enlightened ones are maybe trying to fix oh yeah well behavior comes from thinking so i'll try and fix the thinking that comes from that well no you've got to go two levels deeper than that you've got to, you've got to look at what somebody's going to believe that somebody believes in order to have that thinking and then what are their values and what are their, their what's their true understanding about life that causes them to believe what they believe? Now you're starting to get somewhere. And, and unfortunately, you know, like, like, you know, Paul almost said there, it's not a criticism at all, but all oh, that's a bit deep. Well, you've got to go deep. There's no way of getting around this other than going right to the core of it. And, and, and the moment that a, a coach has seen this for themselves and is liberated from that fear of going deep, then now we're starting to make a change. Now we're starting to really help people. Yeah, that, and the, I think the most practical application of that is just this concept of pressure. And, you know, you start to get answer those questions or start to ask the questions, even start to ask the questions. And all of a sudden the pressure starts to ease. And I think that's where you, you really start, people get to really, 
really find their joy. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult as a sports coach. I, I appreciate that. And that's probably where I'm almost the furthest away point from this than I could, I could possibly uh, explain. But, you know, within, within, a, within a sort of a, a work context, in a, in a family context, and I'm trying to get there with, with, with rugby, it's just once that, once that pressure, you realise that illusion of pressure, then you can really, it, you know, it becomes a proper expression of yourself then. Sam, I'm going to ask you a question because it, it came up with someone I was talking to about this and I, and I thought it was quite good. I think I know what the answer is, but I'm, I'm interested to get your take. So his, his critique of some of what Johnny said was around reducing self-importance. So he said, um, how can you say no one else's opinions matters? So Johnny was saying, you know, take away everyone else's opinions of you because they don't create you. Um, actually if he's then saying you've got to reduce the self-importance but you say no one else's opinions no one else's opinion matters is that not inflating self-importance because actually what you're then putting at the heart of everything is you and i, th I think i know what the answer is and I, I did have a response to him but i'd be interested in, in your take on that well, what was your response first um I, I said it depends what you then define as self Exactly. So it depends what you mean by you or I. When you say the word I, what are you referring to? Are you referring to a body and a mind or are you referring to your true self, awareness, consciousness, whatever you want to call it? it, it and as I say, the moment you, when you change that, and that's actually, that's actually the root of, of, of all of the problems that, that we see. And Johnny, <clears throat> excuse me, Johnny, says it perfectly which is when he says you know he talks he's talking about it in terms of the context of the kicker where the game stops and then the thought comes in what about me well that that i the i thought is the cause of all the problems if you don't have the i thought there is no problem at the moment the i thought appears and you conceptualize yourself in that moment as a limited finite entity you're stuffed because then it matters. The previous moment when you were just running around with your mates, the I thought wasn't there. You were just part of the experience. You were part of the game. There was no separation between you and the game. When it stops and, and then, you know, the referee blows his whistle and somebody throws you the ball, then, it's, then the I thought appears. So the, the self-importance thing, and this is why it's so corrosive when we start telling kids that they've got to believe in themselves we're actually telling them to believe in a in an illusion in a misunderstanding in a in a in a, in a thought created entity that doesn't exist and again we're, what we're actually telling them to believe in is the story about them and if you believe that you are the central character in the story about you it's really really important that that story has a happy ending and that's where pressure comes from Whereas if you see that actually you're not the character in the story, you're the, 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 you're the knowing of that story, you know, no pressure in that because it's just whatever's unfolding is unfolding and you're going to be okay no matter what happens to the character. That's the difference. I love that. And I think that would actually be a really good place to, to finish. And I'm also conscious of, of your guys' time as well. So um, I guess just in terms of that was maybe the one bit that was missing from from. Um, the high performance podcast 
where would you guys suggest people go and, and kind of find some more about this stuff or, or if they want to to get engaged a little bit more what what could be some of their next steps um i think johnny was absolutely brilliant in the way that he he said you know look it's not for me to tell you what to do or how to do this or what's right and what's wrong and, and that's kind of my answer as well but i you know i just tell you what i enjoy you, you know i enjoy listening to people like rupert spira uh, francis lucille um i read a lot of books by a guy called bernardo castrup who is a um he's a philosopher but he was a computer scientist computer engineer um and, and there's loads of those guys have all written books. They're all out on 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 YouTube and, and in podcasts and stuff. So that those would be the sort of three people that I would. Uh, um, I, I think if you're interested in this, you'd enjoy listening to those guys. Fantastic. Cool. Yeah, it's a, a, again, I sort of I sort of agree that it's just, this is mainly sort of a, a, a journey of self, I think, you know, uh, to to, to look inwards and really think deeply I think it's probably the best use of your time um one that haven't said that though, the one I, the one book that sort of really that, that helped that helped me sort of organize my thoughts a little bit on this was a, was a book called clarity by Jamie smart um I really really enjoyed that because I think the the strength of that is in the the ease of it and the way he explains it is very good um and i think the other the other book that i, I quite liked on the same similar sort of vein was a, a a book by a guy called rich hudson it's called pressure myths it's quite it's relatively short um he's also quite active on twitter um and that was that was really that was really helpful um just and that just paints a really good picture of how a lot of a, a, a lot of this stuff becomes environmental and what's actually you know what's actually true is is internal oh. I think one of the, the best coaches I've heard talking about this kind of topic is that is actually Simon Amor um, he, he's been through you know he's been he's been the, the high performing player and achieved a huge amount on the, on the seven circuit and has been through quite an, an accelerated coaching journey um, I think and I think he said that him in himself he's, he's got to where he is within the England squad quite quickly and so it sounds like he's had to learn about his self as quickly as possible to be able to allow himself to to a you know to be successful again however you deem successful of course and, and, and how you define that but he a couple of things I've heard him talk about he's talked a lot about this you know authenticity you know paradox and and, and the importance of of how players will absorb and, and listen to, to everything and remember everything that you hear. So I think from a, from a coaching perspective, I think he's a he's a really nice one to have a look at as he is openly still going on this. We're all going, we're all developing all the time, aren't we? But he's someone who in sort of very much the public eye is going through this this, this period of working, of working himself out at the moment. Awesome. Um, my suggestion is, is probably follow Sam on Twitter. Um, poses some really good questions. <laughs> this, this is how I got into this. Uh, there were just some stuff that you were putting out there that I was going, yeah, there's, there's, this is deep. This is, this is interesting. I want to kind of get into this more. And, and you were kind enough to, to have a conversation and, and, you know, we, uh, we picked it up and, and that was kind of, yeah, I guess the, the start of part of that journey, which has been awesome. So, um, 
yeah, there's there's definitely people out there you can connect to and, and have a chat with, and um, I will big him up. Um, but he's very giving with his time, which is which is hugely appreciated. So, on that note, gents, I will thank you all for giving up your time early on a Saturday morning to to get this one in. I've loved this as always. Um, more more questions than answers, but I I guess from what we've discussed, that's kind of the point. So, had we come away with any answers, we might have been doing it wrong, I guess. So, um, yeah, really really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Enjoyed it. Cheers, Phil. Thanks, Phil. I'm just going to round up the roundup. So, uh, for the listeners, we hope you find it useful. Thank you to my guests again for their brilliant insights. Uh, links to all the content discussed are available in the blurb on Rugby Coach Weekly, and I will link in the the, the kind of the stuff the guys talked about at the end. Uh, please subscribe, like, and share if you also want to rate. That would be wonderful. Uh, again, I'd like to thank you for listening. Wish you all the best and go well. <laughs>